reaction to what we think is God coming to us with rules, and we're like, nope, we'll see you later. And so we've been trying to answer questions about the Ten Commandments because we probably, you know, whether you grew up in church or you believe in God or not, you've heard of them, you probably wondered about them, and so you, we ask questions like, do we have to follow them, and are they relevant anymore, or God just kind of seems to be about the rules. And so how much of that is true, and how do we engage that? Well, what we've been learning over the past three weeks is that we need to view them through the story of God. And we think of it as a standalone event that God gave us, and so is uh, now permanent for all time, and all these different things. But no, we need to understand it through his story of how he is engaging us, and he started engaging us through his people um, a long time ago, and that's where the Ten Commandments came about and how, you know, how they, they came forth. And so in week one, we saw that God's people were enslaved, and he had made a promise to Abraham that God, he was going to you know, bless them, and they would become an incredible people and a nation, and all those things were seen, those prayers even answered even now. And so that began to happen, and through the lineage of his people, they began to grow, and they were living in the land of Egypt, and that threatened them, and so they, they, they forced them and plunged them into slavery for a long time. It was generations that had been in slavery. That's all they ever knew. But then God began to answer their prayer, to be, and he began to pull them. He pulled them out of slavery. There was miracles that were done. They were seeing God work in a very visible way, and he freed them. And so it was in the context of being freed that they come to the mountain, the Mount Sinai, and they receive the Ten Commandments. And one, one of the things we've talked about is God didn't give them rules to suddenly enslave them again, because that's what it feels like to us. No, they were rules to help them know how to be free, for a free people to stay free. This was important. They were instructions for a free people to stay free. But then they also helped them be aware of their sin, beware of the wrongdoing, and it brought consequences. There are natural consequences to sin, but there's also God-given ones, and they were loving. God was leading them away from pulling their hearts back to slavery again and towards life. But that's hard because to give a rule means that it keeps you from doing it, gives you something to do, but it's also keeping you from something. And those are the things sometimes we really want to do and God is a loving God leading us away from that. So there are consequences of sin. And one of the things that God has showed them was that sin, which is disobeying God, walking away from him, always leads to death. Uh, so we're recapping all of this. And, and why is that? Why? Well, we're walking away from life and love. And so if God, if God created us, he exists in the world, he is life. He is love. And so to walk away from him is to walk away from both. And God is, is lovingly saying, I want to lead you towards what is the best thing for you. And so to walk away is to walk towards death. And so he gave them a system for being forgiven and renewed. And so what he showed them was an atonement. It's kind of a crazy word. An atonement had to be made. An atonement had to be made. Well, what is that? Something, someone had to die in your place. Always required death, and so they had a sacrificial system, and God, they'd had to continually do it. And they would bring animals, they would sacrifice animals, and there were specific things that God gave them. And after the Ten Commandments, there were hundreds and hundreds of rules beyond that, and laws that they were to follow to help them do these things. It was for their benefit. So an atonement had to be made, and so we discovered, okay, so the law is good. It's saying he gave it to them to lead them towards life and delight and joy. And that's really what this is about, is, is delight and joy. 
being free, being at peace. And, and if they followed these things, they would experience that. But they couldn't always follow it. They, they led themselves back to death and destruction and all these different things. And they just couldn't stop. They couldn't stop. And we're the same way. We can't stop. And so the Ten Commandments is the law that was given just shows us that we are messed up. It shows us that we're sinful. It shows us that we've, we've blown it. And that means that every one of us deserves death. Okay, wow, great. Okay, so that's what the Ten Commandments show us. That's, that's not really fun. But that is why Jesus came. There was a hope and there was a promise from the beginning of a full future hope to come. A full hope to come. And this is who Jesus was and why he came. He came to become our atonement. Once and for all. But this is where we struggle with this story because that means that you need saving. And that's what we really leaned into last week. And if you're interested in this topic, I encourage you. Last week was really the kind of the climax, the pinnacle of this. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But he became our atonement. He took our place. It means you need saving. It's admitting that you're limited. And then it's saying that, that he, God, Christ, is better than anything else that we can pursue. That everything else that we're doing is ultimately empty. And so one of the reasons that, uh, that should, you know, helps us understand that, we, that God is real and he exists is that you need something to be your identity. There's something in you that says, I have to have this. So without God, we're going to have something in place. So you can't, we like to have the idea of like we can be some monk somewhere just completely empty of mind and, you know, sitting on a mountaintop and we don't need anything. Well, that's impossible. You've got to fill that void with something or someone. And we pursue our own selfish pleasures. And that leads ultimately to brokenness because we can never get enough for ourselves. In fact, if you look at all the brokenness in the world, you can always trace it back to selfishness, some selfish act. And all of us have done this. It's why Jesus came, and it's why he had to die. It's why that took place. And so he goes to the cross and becomes our atonement. And in three days, he rises from the grave, fully proving he's the son of God. And his resurrection is everything that we stand upon as Christ followers. His resurrection changes everything. It shows us that death has been defeated. And then it's our decision to follow him. And we, when we follow him, we have been freed up. So it says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth you confess and are saved. And so in Christ, God makes you holy. We call this the beautiful exchange because we couldn't do this ourselves. A beautiful exchange. You get what Christ deserved, which is to be in heaven, 
and to be at the right hand of God in, in his righteous and be declared fully holy. And he got what you deserve, which was death. He came. What does this loving God do? This fully just and fully loving God, what does he do? He came down to us. He stepped in in our place, and he took the punishment for us. And this is what we celebrate, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome. And he fully fulfills, fully fulfills, he fulfills the law. <laughs> Double word there. He takes it all, 100%, fulfills all the law that was there. The requirements of the law are fulfilled in him because we could not do that. And that means there is no more condemnation in Christ. And that also means that there's no one keeping score. There's no record of wrong. Romans 8.1 says there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because when we, when we sin, when we break, sin is a break in our relationship with God and with others. We talked about that in the Ten Commandments. The first half is about our relationship with God, and the second half of the Ten Commandments is about our relationship with other people. And, and what is sin? Sin is a break in relationship, and you feel that kind of death in relationships with one another when you have a break, and you feel condemnation. And so we rebel, or we try to be really good, but we ultimately know we can't do that. We need Christ, and it says in him there's no condemnation. And, and not only that, there's no more record of wrong being kept in your life. There's nobody keeping score because Christ fulfills it all. Listen to Colossians 2. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because, of your sin, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. That means past, present, and future. We talked about this last week when Jesus died. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because God had to turn his back on him because he actually was taking our sins upon himself. He was being the atonement for us. God had to turn away from Christ in that moment for the first time because he was taking our sin. forgave all our sins. And then it says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took away the charges against you. That's incredible. Many of you here are lawyers and you, you constantly live in the legal world and, you know, people are just want this record of wrong expunged. And God, you know, we just want God to throw it away. Like, let's just ignore, ignore my stuff. I, I just, if I just be a good person. But that's not just. We want a loving and just God. What's amazing is he came and took that for us. And then he took the, the record of wrong. And so that means that you're no longer condemned. There's no record of wrong. In Christ, when we follow him, we put, like we are forgiven, and you are free. And this is interesting. We, I mentioned this last week. Like, really? Free? Yep. Like, free to sin? Like, can I do Am I that free? Yeah, you can. The court's adjourned. There's, nobody, there's no angel in heaven, like, assigned to you. Oh, you know, like you lied, you lied to your coworker, 
you took the food out of the fridge at the office, I saw that, writing it down. You know, like you yelled at your spouse, uh, you know, like, like all these different things, like that seems crazy. But Jesus took that for us. So what is our motivation? That's the big question. The Ten Commandments showed the people of God in the beginning that they couldn't do it. So what's the motivation? The motivation is we love God. Like, what's the motive? Why do we want to do, why would we want to? Like, I, I like this. I want it to get out of jail free card. I can just do whatever I want. But that the whole, but the whole point is that, that it, it was a massive cost for Christ. And we, 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 when we follow him, we love him. We are saying, you are everything for me. We love God. He is who we live for. He is our identity. He is our identity. The fear of punishment is gone. The fear of punishment is now gone. And this is huge. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. It's with Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's based off a true story, which is it's a fascinating thing. And I've, 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 I've seen uh, this guy that, that, that they're portraying speak at different events, but he was, a, like, as a young kid, a, you know, teenager in the early 20s, was, a, like, an incredible con artist, uh, con people into thinking he was an airline pilot and all these other crazy things. And he began forging checks, and the FBI was, we went, to, went, went after him, was constantly chasing him, and it took them years and they caught him in somewhere, I think it's in France or somewhere in Europe, and forging and printing checks. And eventually he's caught. He goes to jail, and it's pretty serious. But then they're, like, having all these other people do the same thing. And they're like, we need an expert. Well, they're like, this guy's the expert. And it's amazing. So they, they, the FBI agent that was chasing him this whole time comes to him and is like, listen, we'd like for you to work for us at the FBI. No joke. So they have this, like, uh, you jail, you know, program where he's freed from jail to, and, and if he follows the terms of working for them. And so then it shows this incredible scene, like one of the first weekends that he has as a free person, he's running. He goes to the airport, and there's a scene where the FBI agent meets him at the airport, and he's like, I'll see you on Monday. He's like, why are you, what makes you think I'm coming back? He goes, look around. No one is chasing you anymore. You've been freed. No one's chasing you. And that's the picture of the way God views us. In Christ, he sees us as Christ, as we are the righteousness of God. But we still blow it. All right? But the fear of punishment is gone, and this is key. And we, we like to be motivated by punishment, but that's not real love. So listen to 1 John 4. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. We can have confidence. In this world, here's how we know. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are becoming like him. He says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. And I love this. I love this. In Christ, you know, Christ went to the cross and he had this incredible passion and his love that led him there to do this for us and go to death and experience that. He lived on earth for 30 years 
33 years or so, living, and he, he lived a perfect life. He's the only one who stood against the weight of all the pressure to, to do wrong and everything and withstand it. He understands what it means. And that passion that led him to his death and resurrection, he is still now interceding for us. He is passionately pursuing us. And he is still, in this perfect love, wanting to drive out fear in our life. That's the picture of Christ I want us to have in our hearts, that he's doing that now, driving out fear. Perfect love drives out fear because, and we'll continue now, because fear has to do with punishment. Yeah, you'll change for punishment until the punishment goes away. Like, that's what leads us to, oh, God, oh, God, I'll never get drunk again. You know, I just, just help me get out of this moment. I'll go to church. I'll go to church every week. Just help me get through that, you know, whatever this is. And then you wake up and you get through it and you take the aspirin. I don't know, whatever it is. And then you, it's, that pressure is gone and you're like, I have football on today. I can't go to church. Like, you know, I, like we make these prayers and for some reason it always comes down to church attendance. Um, but when that punishment's gone... You stop. There's a story of a, a man who had trouble with spousal abuse or just being spites of anger and yelling at his wife, and, and it would get really bad. And then, and then you know, she's like, I have to leave. And then this pressure of this losing a relationship, he's like, oh, I will change. And he would begin to do things and take these steps with maybe even with counseling, whatever it was. But over time, that, 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 that fear of losing it would go away and it would go back to what he did before. Like as soon as... And it, 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 it wasn't an actual proper motivation. As soon as the fear of punishment goes away, we stop with that. So, so sorry, then that punishment goes away. So what then motivates us to change? If we think that that's got to be there, but it's not an actual heart change when punishment goes. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And this is incredible truth. Our motivation has changed. And this is so important for us to understand. Many times as Christ followers, we you will do something and you'll blow it and, and you, have a, you have a sinful nature. We're going to talk about that real, real quick here. But we typically are known for beating ourselves up. How could have I done this? And we agonize. And, 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 and like it's this brutal pattern. And, and, what it, and what's amazing is you will no longer condemn. And it's actually hard for you and me to be free. But it's that moment of understanding that really leads us to heart change. Our motivation has changed. What is our motivation? It's God's beauty, that he is it. He is the one thing that will fully, truly satisfy us more than any other idol that we could have in place. And I talked about that last week. Some of us try to, 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 to prove that we're okay by being good. But you can't do that, and that eventually condemns you. So you either got to be incredibly self-righteous and condemning of others. And we see a lot of examples of people, of Christians who are saying they're Christians, saying, you know, I'm you know, condemning others because of how good they are. But it's all just a ruse because they know. 
and they're condemned inside, or you're just incredibly overwhelmed by, by condemnation and judgment because you can never make, keep up that standard. Or you just fully rebel and you find some other idol. You walk away from God and something becomes your identity, whether it's fashion, whether it's approval, whether it's riches or material things or a relationship or a mar- like marriage or kids. There's all these things that we are like followers, beauty, and as long as that's there, then you're okay. But you take that away and you freak out because it can't really satisfy you. And so for us, God is it over any other pursuit. And that's really what it means to follow Christ and to say, I'm yours. You are it. And so, yeah, you are free in Christ, but we no longer want to live in death. And so we understand I'm walking away from the things that are leading me to my destruction because it costs something and it will cost something of me, and I want to learn to walk away from that, and that can only really, truly happen when you've been freed up from the worry of the condemnation, and then we can invite Jesus into that conversation. And so this is what I want to begin to lead us towards, and and where it eventually comes back to the Ten Commandments. So Romans 8.12 says this. It says, it says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're no longer obligated to this. For if you live by its dictates, interesting word, but okay, if you live by its dictates, you will die. So it's leading you towards death. But if you live through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. And this is our picture, that we are walking away from destructive decisions, and we're walking towards life. And really, if you think about the original Ten Commandments, God is, is, is leading us to our freedom, what will free us, and to joy and delight. This changes our relationship with, with Him. You are no longer afraid of punishment, and you're no longer afraid of condemnation. And this is something we need to understand and know and hear over and over again because our hearts want to go back to being enslaved into fear and all these different things. So what we need to do is learn how to properly react to our brokenness. Okay, that's really what this is about, is to properly react to what we call sin. And so there's two reactions reactions that we need to understand in our freedom. One is the reactive things that we do, and one is the proactive things that we do. So reactive is how we respond when we blow it. When you've done something. And like by blow it, like you feel it. It's where you've got a break. You feel that break in relationship with God and with others. How do you react? And proactive is then what we do. We're going to talk about putting on the fruits of the Spirit. And so the reactive, what do you do when you blow it, when you sin? Well, you need a rewiring of how we respond. And so are you devastated? Are you beating yourself up? We say that I can't believe I'm here again. I can't believe I did this. And you'll say something out loud that it'll say like, I'll never do this again to you or to me. Or like there's something that will bring shame. There are things that you do that you have to hide from other people. All of us do that, including me. I'm I'm a pastor, and I know that I could be shredding your image of me, but oh, that's just good. (laughs) But all of us are there in some way. 
And so how do we react? Are you devastated? Are you beating yourself up? Okay, well, let's do a little self-talk dialogue. Who are you in Christ? If you're a Christ follower, who are you? Well, you, are you condemned? What do we know? We don't know? What do we know about this? Nope, we're not condemned. Okay, are you forgiven? Yeah, all your sins. Yes, okay, then are you, are you, are you free? Are you free? Yeah. No, no, I'm not free. I can't. I did that. I can't draw. And so, so why am I still sitting? And then you might have this freak out moment like, oh, no, oh, no. Like, maybe I'm not really God's. Because I'm supposed to stop, right? Like, am I not Christ's follower? Did Jesus reject me? Like, it's easy to follow this pattern. Like, oh, that's not true. I'm just following this logical pattern, okay? So listen to these words of Jesus. John 10, 28 through 30. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. You're secure not condemned, but you're still blowing it, <laughs> what do you do? We need to understand that you still have a sinful nature. And you've seen that phrase in some of these things we've been reading. But there is something different now. God is living in you. He sends us his Holy Spirit. So that's why we have the Trinity. We have God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's such unity together that they are one. And it's important because it means that God is in a relationship, in a perfect, sacrificial, loving relationship. And so we have his spirit that he sends to us to live in us and to put to death. See, and this is why we say we no longer have to obey this, but you have a sinful nature, okay? Listen to Romans 8, 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it, here's this fun word, dictates, you will die. But if you live for the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds, the actions of your sinful nature. You will live. And that's the key. God has sent his Spirit in us to help us walk through this, to free us up. And so we put to death the deeds the works, the actions of our sinful nature. And these are the idols, the outward actions that you and I, that we do. And so that means you have this sinful nature in you. And God has said he, one day he will fully uh, free us from this entirely. But his plan for us is to continue to pursue him now in this world, in this life, with a plan and a purpose and a story. And part of this is learning to depend upon him to grow in character. There is a purpose and plan in this. And so it's kind of freeing to say, yeah, you're going to blow it, and you cannot. In this life, you will never fully walk away from this. If somebody comes to you and says, well, you know, you, if you're a really good Christian, then you won't sin at all, well, that's, well, that's BS. <laughs> I'll say, it's, they're lying. They're lying. Somebody's like, you just, <laughs> you said, let, anyway, uh, they're lying. You cannot fully walk away. But, but you can but you can walk away from its control over you. And God may free you up from it, but there's always something. And that's the beauty of his work in us, is that we can be patient and invite him in 
to this beautiful work of restoration in our hearts. And you'll never really do that unless you are freed up. We start our relationship with him fully forgiven, okay. But then it's about engaging this loving God. So until he comes again to free us fully, we still live in our sinful bodies. We live in a broken world. You have things in you but it no longer controls you. So yes, you still sin. But don't be surprised when something suddenly comes back that you're like, I thought I would never do that again. And then suddenly it's there. Listen to this. This is Paul speaking. He lived one of the most significant lives ever. He wrote most of the New Testament scriptures that we have. Here's what he says about his life. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. So he's separating these two things. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. For now, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. He says, we point out our sinful nature. So I find this law at work. Although I I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. I love that imagery. It's, it's, it's making you a prisoner. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? If you're honest, you're going to be there. You're going to feel this. Why do I do it? Like, why do you, like you and I are, will do things that will hurt us and hurt people we love the most. We run to comfort. We do things that just, and he says, why do we do it? But here is the difference now for us in Christ Jesus. He doesn't end there. He says this, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the difference now. He says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. And this is such a beautiful picture. I mean, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. We are saying, this is not me anymore. I am God's. I am a slave to him because that is what is, brings beauty and delight. That is now what controls me. We, when we do this, we say, this is my sinful nature. So, yeah. So, you know, he says, thanks be to God. So, yeah, when you sin, yes, when, not if, but when you and I do this, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. We are slaves to him and to righteousness and to life. 
You are no longer condemned because of this. Your sinful nature is still there. It doesn't own you. And this is so key because, yes, it can hurt. And, yes, you'll experience consequences from that. But then we don't have to be owned by it or beat ourselves up. You can now look at it and say, okay, I do this. This is who I am, and I'm struggling with this. And we can actually look at it, and then we invite Christ in. And so we change how we react. You do a self-talk dialogue and to say, this is not who I am, okay? And then we are proactive. So when we react, how do we react? I think it's good to say, okay, we confess. We confess. We acknowledge and confess our sin. And then we remember who we are. This is point two here. Remember who you are. You were redeemed and righteous. And then you put sin in its place, your sinful nature. You understand what's going on. And then that's where we take the step to put to death, put to death sin. We begin to be proactive. And this is beautiful. We put off. Our brokenness, and we put on Christ. Put to death, therefore, the things, the deeds, the actions of our sinful nature, and put on Christ. And this is what we're going to talk about as we finish the series next week. But what is a tool that you have to help you understand? There's some idol in your heart. There's something that needs to be addressed. You want us to stop doing this. So it's like weeds, right? If you if you have weeds in a in a in a lawn, like this is a weird thing because we don't have much grass around here. But if you just mow it down, what happens? It comes right back. You can't just like cut the top of a weed off; it doesn't do anything. There's something going on in the roots. We don't learn to get to that, and that's what we're talking about next week. You got to pull it up from its roots, and then you need to plant seed down there for new grass to flourish. And if you don't do this, if you don't pull it by the roots, it will not only just come back up, it will spread. <laughs> and so what is a tool that we have to inform you of these deep-rooted things? I'm not asking actually for an answer, but you know, any guesses? Guess what a tool we now have is? What's this, this, the series we're in is about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. All right, you you struggle. You're 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 lusting after things. You're thirsting for things. You got this incredible appetite, or you're not satisfied. You have discontentment. You're comparing. You have jealousy with others. You find you're, yourself angry all the time. Well, read through the Ten Commandments. What do you find? Do not covet. Suddenly, we have something that is informing something deep in our hearts. And it's no longer something that we're condemning, but it's informing us of what's going on in our hearts. And it can help you see a root of something. Ah, oh, put off coveting, comparing what that is. Coveting your neighbor and their house and their spouse and their, the things that they have. Well, then what do you put on? What can help you, inform you to put what to put on? Well, there are these character things in Scripture we call the fruits of the Spirit, character. We put on self, uh, self-control, contentment, patience.
this is what we begin to do. We change how we react, and suddenly the Ten Commandments have a relevance in our lives. They inform us. They no longer condemn, but they begin to speak to your heart. And that is where we're going to finish up next week, is how do we do that in a practical way? Our Disney groups have already started to practice this through putting on and putting off. But it's incredible. You are free in Christ. That's why you should consider being a follower of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you today for your teaching and your goodness in our lives. And God, this is a lot to, to think about and to take in. And I pray that we would begin to understand and believe how free we are and we don't have to be condemned anymore because this, this happens so much in our lives. But not only that, I pray that we would experience the joy of what it means to change in our character and our heart and to walk away from things that really enslave us for joy and peace and patience. Father, thank you and love you and ask all this in Jesus' name.